Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. We are here recording episode number 42, Conlang 101, What Is It? And we are here today to talk about um, Conlang, which is a shorthand for um, constructed language. So we will be talking about various, I guess, fictional languages uh, used in different uh, movies and novels and things like this. So we're hoping to bring you a very exciting and informative episode today. And uh, I just wanted to let all of our listeners know here at the Untranslatable Podcast, one of our main goals is to spread the love of learning languages and cultures um, to you in the comfort of your own home, car, wherever you may be listening to us. We really appreciate your support. And without further ado, I'm here with my man with the plan, uh, my buddy Jared. How's it going, Jared? Toki! Kamapona. Sinapilinseme. Oh, wow. That is, uh, that is, hello, welcome, how are you? And Toki Pona. And that's just a little taste. Oh, man, you guys are so lucky. <laughs> Not only will you get to hear us fuck up real languages, you'll soon get to hear us ruin made up languages as well. This is that's the best of both worlds today. Um, for more of these fun shenanigans, please follow us on um, on Twitter, Untranslatable1, Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast. Chad wants me to uh, show off my new, what, what should I call it, Untranslatable Podcast Recording Dungeon, Recording Lair. <laughs> I told Chad, I will not let Echo beat me. I cleaned out a closet. I went to Ikea. I got a uh, one of those rugs that has the car, like the you know the kid city little map on it, nine dollars. I got a table for fifty dollars, and um, I even got a, a picture. And uh, you know this is now the official untranslatable podcast recording studio from Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> and if you'd like to give me some tips on improving, or if you'd like to send some um, some uh, trinkets to uh, to the Untranslatable Podcast Recording Studio A from Philadelphia, uh, please do. But first, email me so I can vet it. You know, so email us at the Untranslatable Podcast at gmail dot com. Tell us uh, <laughs> how cool my studio looks. How jealous you are of my my uh, rug. And uh, tell us some untranslatables. Tell us if you know anything about uh, con, con, conlangs. One thing I did learn about conlangs is it's a rabbit hole. Oh, at for about, sure. At about 3 a.m. chat's time yesterday, I texted him saying, Hey, Google conlang and Google alien conlang. <laughs> <laughs> and Reddit is just as big of a rabbit hole as anything else. And oh, I, my God. I was like, this is probably going to be an interesting thing for him to wake up to the, tomorrow morning or today, I <laughs> right. guess. And I got to be honest with you, Jared. I have never heard the term conlang before. Me I neither. knew what conlang, I knew what, you know, it was, I guess, but I had never heard the uh, appropriate term. Right. Like uh, you've heard of examples. Like you knew what Klingon is, for example. Oh, yeah. But you didn't know that Although, people call that a conlang. Right. But I have to admit, I'm not a big Star Trek fan. Me and neither. I didn't. I did not really do any research on Klingon for this episode, to be completely honest. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. There's plenty to talk about. Anyone that's a Klingon fan already... I don't even know how to say it. People, anyone, first, I think it's Klingon. Klingon. 
already knows everything about it if you're deep into that world. Otherwise, just Google it. We're going deep, baby. <laughs> That's true. Talking alien, uh, Conlang. No, I don't know how deep we're going into that. But um, did I get out all of our... Oh, please rate, review us. Five stars on Stitcher, iTunes. Um, spread the love. Uh, even do it in a different language if you want. Make it fun. Do it That's in whatever right. language you want. It doesn't have to be in English. We would uh. also love to hear in your reviews what, uh, you, which topics you would like for us to cover. And if you have any good untranslatables, uh, we would be happy to feature them on our next episode. Or what's your favorite segment? That's also, I'm curious about that too. Oh, yeah, that's very true. Or what's your uh, astrological sign? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or what's your spirit animal? We could go on and on. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, Jared, you mentioned you were at Ikea. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I've only been to Ikea two or three times, and actually two two of the times were in Europe. One time was uh, in the United States, and uh, it's really quite an interesting place to go. I have a love-hate relationship with Ikea. One- And why is that? There's no denying that the stuff is cheap, so there's that. So, although I do- That's the thing. I do have stuff that has been, I, like, it's been like, yeah, that's kind of- messed up after a couple of years but what do you expect and then i've had stuff that i've had for years that still go strong mostly dressers tend to go strong but they just sit there i guess um and then the thing i don't like about ikea is they also they force you to walk around the entire place mm -hmm. like there's no shortcuts you have to walk through everything you have to look at everything i find myself looking at refrigerators and dishwasher just like what am i <laughs> like what am i doing it's like, wow this is like this is a very a nice deal it's <laughs> a very nice bedroom set <laughs> that's I, how they get you I, I i i've been thinking i need a canopy for my bed why don't i have a canopy on my bed <laughs> <laughs> although then i find things like this like this uh rug like this rug that reminds me of uh preschool and kindergarten and i'm like hell yes this is worth it every $9. nine dollars. Yeah. And it's it fits perfectly in this room. Um, and I'd probably say, um, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know. The, I'm trying to think of the three feet well, the across, one, uh -huh. feet, uh, okay. one feet wide, maybe, one foot wide. Mm -hmm. So it's, a, it's a not that big, but it fits perfectly in this room. And you, can't, you cannot beat the, uh, the style of the uh, preschool roadmap carpet for sure no and for nine dollars that's a steal for any carpet when i was on the road again i was talking about in uh, ann arbor i was talking about getting all nostalgic you should have seen the smile on my face walking through ikea holding this thing i i actually wanted someone to walk up to me and be like where'd you get that <laughs> where, where did you find it the children's section <laughs> No. I mean, I feel like that's the logical place, right? There was a section that was specifically uh, for rugs. Okay. So there were there were also uh, adult rugs <laughs> in this section, but like I was just looking at rugs because it this is uh, um, like it's a tile floor, but I was like, I also want something on the floor if I'm going to make this the ultimate studio. You also got to damp the floor a little bit. That's fair. And I was like, so I need a rug in here, and I was like, oh hell yes. And, like, there were some nice red ones, some nice conservative, you know, like the nice kind of ones that have just those kind of abstract generic rug designs. Well, this right. is a very nice generic rug design. Next thing, mm -hmm. I, I almost wanted to go to Walmart and buy some, like, toy cars. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty fitting. 
and like at least glue them to like park there's a parking spot right next to my but then i just like there's no space in here for anything let alone me to play right. toy cars in here plus then it'll be like you're stepping on legos if you accidentally step on that toy car and the, you know this is just a whole this whole process is just me slipping on gator piss it's just gonna be a whole rabbit hole to where this place is just gonna be filled with like junk Pimp my untranslatable recording You know what it'll kind of be like? It'll be like that song of the pod we had by Bink Beats, where there's just sound and noises everywhere. Forget my my drops. There's just going to be little (laughs) machines and like, (laughs) and like a ting, ting. I have a tambourine behind me. (laughs) That'd be pretty sweet. Someone's going to come over and like accidentally look and they're like, no, don't go in there. They'll be like, sure. What what are you doing here? Nothing. Get out of there. (laughs) (laughs) It's my secret life. like your bat cave oh uh, it is it is the untranslatable cave and another thing i like about uh, down here w- last thing i'll say about this studio because we actually do talk about things other than the room i sit in is that it's not <laughs> right off the main road so you're not going to hear fire trucks constantly going by and stuff i'm a little like disappointed I-, I looked forward to hearing what i'll do is sirens. i'll just stand outside until a fire truck goes by and record it <laughs> i'll hold my microphone outside <laughs> and then i'll get a drop and there then I'll, uh, or, or I'll have some sort of flute that I can replicate it. <laughs> there you go. Dude, I saw a hilarious video today. It was, uh, it was on Instagram, and it was this golden retriever, and it heard an ambulance, and it mimicked the sound of the ambulance. And it even did like a little woo-woo. It was how, awesome. how good was the actual siren? Uh, well, here, hold up. I can, uh, I can find it real quick and... and Hold it up to the mic and, and play it. For By the you. way, all this technology we have, and you're still holding your phone up to. Uh... <laughs> right. Doesn't your fancy mixer have a button where you can do it like record from USB? All right, here it is. Is that the dog? No, no, no. Oh. So this <laughs> is the siren. So that's the that's the I mean, dog okay. doing that. I, I can tell the difference. <laughs> I mean, obviously, but it was still but it pretty is, cool. It is hilarious, and it, I I do like the wow wow. That almost yeah. sounds like a European uh, <laughs> like a European. Oh my god, siren, you're so right. Something like that. You're so right. That's true. Uh, that is true. So Chad, did you spend? Uh, I've been thinking about you a lot. I always think about you, and I think about how much time you spend out of Komotov. Was this a weekend mm-hmm. spent in Komotov? Komutov? Yeah, I, I spent the whole weekend here in, in Komutov. When you spend a weekend in Komutov, what does that usually consist of for you? Uh, yesterday I Netflix. <laughs> yes, I've been I've been watching a lot of uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. I had a student. Um, I you know my students always ask me what do I like to watch, and I tell them usually a lot of like comedy stuff, whether it's stand up or funny series like The Office or The Simpsons. And so one of my students in class was like, "Have you seen Brooklyn Nine Nine?" I'm like. No, what is that? And he's like, you know, Andy Sandberg, right? The the guy from SNL, and he mm-hmm. was on, he he was in that that like f- kind of funny, um, Lonely like, Island. Uh, thank you, Lonely Island. You knew what I was talking about. And so I've been watching a lot of that. I've been playing guitar quite a bit. Actually, I just learned how to play um, "It Runs Through Me" by Tom Meesh, which was one of our songs. Oh, nice! Pods. Wow, yeah, that took you no time. Yep. And I got I got to thank you, Jared, because I've been listening to. Uh, Tom uh, Mish, I keep saying Mish. I don't yeah, know why. Yeah, he's but, British. Uh, I think he just said right. like a, 
yeah, like a normal, normal person. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, so I've been listening to Tom Mish quite a bit lately and uh, it's he is just so fantastic. For all of our listeners out there, check out our YouTube channel. We have all of our songs at the pot and we will be having some different songs in specific languages coming out to you as well. So Hell yeah. take a look for that. Mm-hmm. For sure. But yeah, so so that's what I was doing. Um, yesterday, I actually had a friend of mine come over and watch some of the, um, we're going to be breaking the fourth wall here, but watching some of the Michigan State, Ohio State football game, and it was just a mess. Oh, I don't even, I have no idea what happened. So I'll, I'll just, I'll keep it short and sweet. Basically, MSU's defense held it down for the most part. But OSU's punter, he kicked within the the five-yard line, even the one-yard line like three or four times, pinned MSU in their own end zone, and we took one intentional safety, which I do not understand why you would do that. But I've never even heard took, of that. No, I, it's, I'm pretty sure it's unheard of in, in football <laughs> in general. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was like six to seven. We had a touchdown that was called off that would have brought us 10 to seven. Um, obviously there was a penalty, so they, so they, um, you know, took back that touchdown and then in the third, no, the fourth quarter, everything just came unglued. So mistakes all over the place. Um, but yeah, and for so Michigan I was State. watching the football game for Michigan state. Yeah. So they lost um, is what you're getting at. Yeah. What was yep. the final score? It was 26 to six. I think it was bad. Oh, wow. And all scored well, in the final, the second half. No, 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 it, no, no. Um, it was, I think it was seven to six. By the end of the first half, I believe. Okay. So it was close until the really it was close until the fourth quarter, and then things came unglued. We had a fumble in um, like very close to our end zone, which cost us, um, and they scored a touchdown off of that. Um, and then, honestly, after after they made those couple of mistakes, I was kind of done with it, and I just was a little stressed. So obviously, what do you do when you're stressed? Grab my guitar. Okay. I thought you were gonna say drink. no i i haven't uh i've been trying to cut cut back on the drinking just because it's so easy to just drink lots of beers here because they're so tasty you know what i mean tea are you drinking tea Mm -hmm. tea is a great way to cut back my homotov mug i got this bag uh i got a bag i got this cup right here when i was on the road again oh nice so um hmm, how am i gonna do this I guess what I could technically, what I was going to tell you is that they gave it to me for free. Mm-hmm. But I think what the more realistic um, answer, the thing is, is that I, I uh, borrowed it for free. <laughs> 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 I don't know what came over me. But uh, so um, it was, and so it's essentially just like a, it's, it's pretty like thin. Seems pretty sturdy. It's actually not. It's very thin. It's plastic okay. and it's good plastic. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it in the dishwasher. That's for sure. But okay. it is washable, and it's. I like to drink tea out of it because you can. There's a lid on it, that so it stays. Uh, what are we talking about, by the way? <laughs> tea. Uh, oh right, yeah. Cutting back on the yeah, the tea is a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. Like during my sober October, I drank a lot of tea. And and as I mentioned in our previous episode, my my throat's been a little scratchy, so tea is definitely a good. Uh, remedy for that that's for sure yes but yes. yeah so this this weekend though it's been to be honest a lot of relaxing some sleeping in um and uh playing playing a lot of music listening to a lot of music um tom mish and also i've been uh listening to john mayer's album um it's his most recent one and at first i only liked one or two songs on it 
now to the point where I've heard it so many times I listen to it, you know, f- from like first song to last song. That's a sign of a good album. At first you're like, eh, it's mm-hmm. all right. And then you're like, oh, I, I've realized I can't put this thing down. Yep. I like that. I like that. What have you been up to? You've just been chilling in Philly? Uh, yeah, I have, I have nothing, nothing to add. I think we should get to shout outs because Let's do it. I have more than enough to talk about as far as Conlang goes. Sweet. This Great. turned into quite the rabbit hole. <laughs> it did. As, as a lot of our talk of the uh, top of the um, show talks do. So I only have. Um, no, I meant two... my Conlang research turned into quite oh, the rabbit Conlang. hole. Oh, your Conlang. I yeah. see. Oh, rabbit hole. I thought you said ramble. Sorry. Oh, gotcha. no, 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 no. Gotcha, gotcha. So my first shout out, and I don't know if you heard about this at all in the United States. I didn't hear about this until I heard about, I read this news story. There was actually, unfortunately, a terrorist attack in Melbourne, uh, in Melbourne, uh, I believe, yesterday. Australia? Or even this morning. Yeah. It's Melbourne, but okay. Oh, really? Yeah, no one says Melbourne. Well, in Melbourne, Australia, <laughs> there was. Uh, I first thought they were say like right Melbourne, now? Tennessee, or something like that. Oh no! Yeah, so what Melbourne. happened is, I, and once again, I'm not going to name the attacker because what I don't kind, think they're. Yeah, worth. what was the style of? Um... So, so this guy drew uh, drove a truck and uh, pulled it over on the side of the street, lit it on fire, then had a knife and tried to stab a couple of people. Unfortunately, one person died. How do you uh, light a truck other, on fire that quickly? I'm I'm assuming he had some type of gasoline or something like in connected the truck to bed. the gas tank or something like that. Or, like a yeah, movie. or Does that, that work as well? <laughs> I, I, have, I I don't know. I've never looked. Tr- <laughs> I've, I've never, never lit any vehicles on fire. <laughs> so yeah, but anyways, um, so this this guy um, first lit the truck on fire, and then um, people called the police, and uh, the attacker. Um, had a knife and was trying to stab uh, police officers and stabbed a couple innocent people. And uh, what's pretty crazy, though, is uh, this gentleman, and this is who my shout-out is for, um, Mr. Michael Rogers, who people are calling Trolley Man. Do you know what Australian English, what trolley means? Is that like a subway? No, it's a shopping cart. Oh, right, right. I think we've yeah. talked about that before. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even know. When, when I read Trolley Man... I thought that it was an attack on like a tram or when something. When I was a kid, I had a babysitter that was British. And mm-hmm. apparently, according to my parents, I don't remember this. I used to call uh, shopping carts trolleys as well. I don't remember, but my mom mm. brings it up more Brilliant. than enough for me to believe her. <laughs> right. <laughs> Brilliant. But yeah, so anyways, so this, this gentleman, um, dubbed Trolley Man, Michael Rogers, um, actually helped quite a bit. He... Um, first, um, hit the, the terrorist with the, with the shopping cart or the trolley, believe it or not, didn't knock him over, which is kind of an impressive feat. But then he also put the trolley in between the terrorist and the police officers. Um, and the police officers then shot him in the chest. And I believe he, the terrorist died in the hospital. Um, just imagine what's just crazy. watching that happen and this like being right. in that store. Well, people, well, people, people have videos on their on their phones well, and posting it to social media. Of course, yeah. Um, I mean, you can't blame them, I guess. Honestly, I after that. I read this, I I was like, I was a little scared, and I was like, how do you even defend a knife attack? So I went on YouTube and was watching a bunch of videos <laughs> on how to defend a knife attack. I'll tell you this: it's easier to defend a knife attack than it is a gun attack. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. That is for sure. But yeah, so shout out to you, uh, Michael Rogers. And believe it or not, he is, he's actually homeless. 
And he has been praised online, and there has been a GoFundMe or some type of funding where they have raised $92,000 for him. Um, so hopefully he's now off the streets. I always have um, mixed feelings about those. We found like a, a good one that we save. Right. Um, yeah, that's true. That happened. Remember the uh, the uh, like that radio host guy that had mm-hmm. like the vo- like the beautiful voice, and uh, and they like kind of did the same thing to him. And I think he was back in the you know why I, I always have to do this. I'm here in my new uh, recording studio A, and I'm getting negative. <clears throat> that's all right. No, but um, shout out to him for sure. Absolutely. He he. I I mean, people always think that they'd have what it takes to jump in in a moment like that. But you never know. You never know until you're there. Right. And, and what Mr. Rogers said is he said that um, for him, it was just instinct, which I truly believe. I mean, for sure. I feel like when something like that happens, you don't people, think about it. People often say that when someone is in um, some sort of like, it's either a fight or flight situation, but really even more than fight or flight, what I hear that it tends to be is either like fight or freeze it tends to be one of the, like the two responses people tend to have. Right. And it freezing is just as valid and or stupid and or smart as the fighting could be. Like, it's not like one's better than the other per se. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So, so shout out to him. My second shout out. And I hope by the time this episode drops, things have changed, but my shout out goes to all of the people in California who have had to have been evacuated from the fires. I hope everyone is safe. And, you know, they'll be able to get everything squared away once the fires stop. Um, it's really it's really a shame how many people have. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but quite a few people have been or, or sorry. Um, a lot of people have been uh, evacuated from California. Do you, and I hope everybody will be all right. Do you happen to know if it was if they determined if it was natural or um, I have no man-made? idea. OK. I mean, no, it most sure. likely could be natural, though. That's it's that's not an uncommon occurrence, but that is very right. unfortunate. And mm-hmm. yeah, shout out to you guys. So stay strong, California. Yes. Chad and Jared at the Untranslatable Podcast. We're rooting for all of you and hope you can all land on your feet afterwards. You know, these kind of uh, natural disasters are never easy for anybody, uh, and we really do send you. Um, I'm not going to say thoughts and prayers, but we will send you good vibes. And uh, we really hope that everything will be all right. So, um, yeah. But now moving on, yes. um, as usual, oh, one shit, of our sorry. newest. <laughs> you're good. One of our newest segments to our podcast. We've been doing it now for, I think, this will be our fifth episode. I think, I think it's six because it I six? have five beers and you did one while one. I was on okay, the road so again. so it is six. That's right. So our sixth beer review of the pod. And we're going and to continue final this. final in the Tonewood series mm-hmm. as well. Well, good. I have a good Czech beer for our next episode. Great, great. We'll look forward to that. But for now, it's about me. <laughs> no, it's actually about <laughs> Tonewood for now. That's right. So my final beer is what I, in my head, assume to be maybe their most... I don't, I'm not going to say popular, but one of the ones that they've invested the most in. Because if you see, this is the only one that I've had that has a normal... Like a, a, a can that has a what you would say oh, a traditional yeah. style um, logo on it. So it's not a sticker. It's more of the standard can that you would find in any sort of can and so it makes me seem that this is the one that they've invested the most in or it's um the one that they sell the most of or whatever like or like their uh whatever it is but hold on one second sorry i i kind of like the um i kind of like the cans with the more sticker ish 
Me too. It just looks a little bit more urban, a little more, a little more uh, like craft brewy. But I yeah. bet you there is. Pro- I bet you there's probably something to actually having it in a legitimate can like this, as far mm-hmm. as sales go, especially if you're trying to mainstreamify your beer company, which I assume these people are. They're trying to make money. Um, anyway, right. what this beer is, which once again, Tonewood Brewing Company, uh, Oakland or Line, I don't know how to say it. I haven't looked it up in all these weeks. New Jersey, which is about 15 minutes from Philadelphia, South Jersey. This is the uh, Tonewood Fuego. Arriba! <laughs> Fuego is, Chad, what, is, what does Fuego mean? Espanol for fire. And how would you explain uh, this can? Looks hot. Yes, so there are flames. The logo is our flames. Is flames? I don't know how, how that would go. Is or are flames? Our flames. And within the or flames. No, the logo. Sorry, the logo is. The logo is flames. Is flames. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's uh, that's funny because sometimes I say like that's flame emojis if I want to say something cool. Anyway. Right. And within the <laughs> flames it says um, fuego, and under that I think it says dank. Dank. Say dank or dark. I'm gonna say dank. I, I, can you point it? Uh, camera. Hold on, hold on. Right there, you see it? Nope. Hold up. Back, back it up. Oh, hold on, I gotta find. Right there. You, you see what I'm talking about, though, right? The, in no, the red. I see. T- in the red. Oh, that does say dank for sure. What's the other yeah, yeah. word though? But you're also looking at it backwards, so it's even harder for you. Yeah, it's dank. It starts with a J. Anyway, enough. Uh, let me see if there's any. Oh yeah. Wait. Let me uh, see. Let me explain it to you how. Uh, Tonewood explained it. Fuego, it is a 6.2 alcohol by volume. It's a uh, American IPA, which is India Pale Ale. I've been saying Indian Pale Ale my entire life, like a freaking fool. And it is, according to Tonewood, cloudy IPA, our, glo- our golden hazy IPA with a soft and sweet bread and biscuit malt backbone and upfront aromas of zesty grapefruits, lemons, peaches, and mangoes, rounded out by an earthy and floral drag of resiny pine sap. That is very specific. Everybody knows what pine sap tastes like, so you know that's. So you already kind of know what this beer tastes like. <laughs> let me uh, let me make it a full, uh, you know, masterpiece theater. This is the beginning of my uh, crazy person studio right here. There we go. I should record that and make it a drop for whatever reason. Anyway. Let's see. Uh, it does smell have very... You, have you tried this one before? I have, but it's been a while. It has okay. been a while since I've had it. At least a week or... At least two weeks since I've had this. It is very aromatic. Um, it does smell like it would be fruity for sure. Thoughts? This is a very good one. This is a perfect in-between between the Freshies, which was my first one. And the um, and the improv, which was the double IPA, it has okay. similar taste to the um, to the improv, but it's clearly not as strong. Like it's, there's clearly not as much alcohol in there, which is the case. This is six point two. I believe the improv was eight percent, and you can tell that difference. But this is very smooth. Ooh, it's so smooth. And let me let me see if I can taste some of those flavors we're talking about. Now I understand with an India Pale Ale. They usually are kind of hoppy, right? Or yes. A little bitter. Would you say this is hoppy or bitter at all? Not bitter, but it is hoppy. Okay. Um, I would say I definitely taste the grapefruit and lemons. The mangoes too. 
Um, I don't know what an earthy floral drag, and I don't know what pine sap tastes like. Um, but I up that palate, Jerry. But I get where they're coming from. I'm not mad at it though. I'm not gonna complain about it. Like I'm like, all right, I don't really, yeah, I'm not that sophisticated in my palate, but I get it. And I'm gonna. This is. uh, I'm gonna have to say. Is that your favorite? No, no, no. But now that we've done the entire Tonewood series, let me first pull up all of them just so I can remember and make sure I, I, I don't I do not do this wrong. Let's see how good my memory is. First, you had the Freshies. Uh, then the Dreadnought. Yes, yes. Then the Improv, right? Um, yes. Or am I missing one? No, you're then right. Keep, yep, no, that's good. And then, then we had... Then you... Then, then we then la- oh shoot our last episode you had oh shoot which one did you have last episode last episode was a porter that's right what that's was it right. called it had a fist on revolution the- there you revolution go. yeah there you yeah go. the revolution porter and then this is the tonewood fuego fuego on fuego uh by the way i i, I could it's so funny now that I know what Fuego is. I mean, I learned it not recently, but like used to, I used to always hear it as a kid and really have no idea what it meant, but mm. knew that it meant on fire, but not even recognize that Fuego meant fire in Spanish. <laughs> right. Uh, just because it was so part of like our normal lexicon to say on Fuego. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to say, what would you think based off of, let's see how good my reviews were. I want to see if you could guess what we think my uh, order was. And I'll, I'll, I'll I'll give you a uh, ham or a. Or I'll give you either a or one of those. Okay, okay, on, um, good, good idea. So, you, you want me to guess what your favorite one was? Starting with the worst. Let's start from the bottom. With the worst. Well, that's or a least tough favorite. One. Worst is not fair because I I did like right. them all. They were all good. Okay, least favorite. Oh man, that's tough. I would say. I would say maybe the porter. Yeah. Okay. So that because was and I'll tell you why. Uh-huh. Because okay. I, one, I'm not a huge fan of porters, and two, if I if I if it's if I'm gonna have a porter, I'd rather it be uh, a heftier porter. This one okay. felt a little lighter, and I uh, didn't have that thick, cloudy taste to it that I think you can find with some other porters. Right. Okay. So revol so revolution was number. F- I still enjoyed it though, and I drank five. a bunch of them right. happily. It's not like nice. I didn't. It's not like I. Like disliked it. It's just it wouldn't be something I'd order or pick out. Right. Okay. So the, so the porter is that? Did did you have six beers by Tonewood? Five. Five. Okay. So that was four five. left. Yes. Number four, I would guess. Number four is maybe the improv. Oh. Okay. Okay. Can I get another guess? Of course. The dreadnought. No. Oh no. So it's this one then. No, it's, it's the, the freshie. Really? Why is the freshies? I enjoyed the freshies, but I would say that um, this fuego it does the job that I that the freshies does. I mentioned that the that the freshies makes me want to take my shirt off. This fuego, <laughs> right. this fuego does too. Uh, yet it, I also feel like it's more flavorful. So I okay. feel like I'm getting like I'm 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 getting more out of the Fuego than I am out of the Freshies, and um, and so like I'm comparing them against each other, but that's I guess that's all I have to compare against theoretically right. speaking. So okay, so five was Revolution, four was Freshies, yes, three, 
Three was the Dreadnought. Three was the Dreadnought. Okay. Three was the Dreadnought, and that was the That's the Dunkel. Stout. The German Stout. Or the Dunkel. Dunkel. Thank you, the Dunkel. Okay. Then I'm going to go with, ooh, so it's between the Improv and Fuego. Um, hmm. I'm going to say that Fuego is two and Improv is one. All right. I'm shocked at how much I enjoyed the Fuego. I mean, excuse me. Well, that too, but I'm shocked at how much I enjoyed the improv because it was um, both it, – it had the best of both worlds. It was very flavorful, and it, it somehow managed to be both strong yet not overpowering. And I liked the um, – I liked – it had that a slight aftertaste of, of the 8% that I liked, yet it was also very fruity and mm. not – it was hoppy, but not – like it was also nicely balanced with the fruit, I think. And the Fuego is very great too. It just has less, um, I'd say, less complexity to it. I f- it feels like to me. Yet, feels like it has more complexity than the Freshies. Okay. And I'm going to happily finish this Fuego right now because it is delicious. Go for it. So for all of our listeners out there in the States, uh, get your hands on a Tonewood brew. I really hope to get my hands on one. Uh, They're hard to I'm find. Back stateside. But if you're in, if you're in uh, Philadelphia, I can make it happen. Hit me up. Or you can there make it happen. Go. I mean, it's not. I don't have a hookup, but I know where it is. <laughs> Just Google it. <laughs> right. Or if you're in South Jersey, but why would you be? I mean, unless you live there, I guess. Why would you be there? Right. Well, I appreciate the beer reviews, Jared. Now, now I think what we'll need to do is, um, I'll definitely get my hands on some new Czech beers. Yeah. Um, but I think we should also reach out to some of our uh, our listeners out there and see what beers they would like us to review as well. Okay. Might be kind of cool um, to do that. So yeah, I have a I have a Czech beer um, ready in the fridge for our next episode. So to all of our listeners out there, get ready for episode forty three. We'll have another Czech beer for the beer review. Um, but now let's move on, and I think you might know what time it is, Jared. Do, do you happen to have the time? My Rolex is oh, never late. That's the uh, unmistakable cuckoo of the untranslatable uh, owl. That's right. Hopefully, in the near future, you'll just have a lever you can pull in your uh, fancy studio. <laughs> I'm just gonna buy a cuckoo clock. <laughs> there you go. And I'm gonna have it intricately made to uh, to sew these jokes that we always make about the cuckoo clock being on time. Where I'm just right. gonna. Oh, there it is. All right, Jared. So our episode today is focused on conlang or constructed language, and I have some words f- that uh, people call. Uh, minionese, which is language of the minions from Despicable <laughs> Me. I want to tell a couple to you and see if you can guess what they mean. Okay. Are you ready? Sure. What do you think Bido means? Hello. It's not hello. Sorry. Wow, very good. Was that right? Yeah. Oh. Bido is I'm sorry. Wow, that hello was a total is, guess. Yeah, hello is Bello. Bello. Hello, Bella. And, and and I will tell our listeners out there that Minionese, um, it actually comes from um, English, Spanish, Japanese, Tagalog, Indonesian. There's all these different kind of languages that have influenced. I noticed that. And I have a couple mm-hmm. conlang uh, untranslatables. And they mention, they're from Reddit users. I'll, I'll give the Reddit people the credit. Mm-hmm. And they mention uh, w- what their languages are based on. 
and a lot of them have. So can I? I'll give you one. For example, okay. my first one is by Reddit user Winged Murasaka. No, Winged Murasaki. And his language or her um, is Kamatshana, and it apparently is comprised of English, Spanish, and Japanese. And um, the phrase is "shta diasites sunle shta vocala meshdashi dreshi meshdreshi." Does vocala have to do anything with like vocal? No. No. They put okay. their head, their heads between their ears. Put their heads between their ears. Is that like putting your heads together? No. Or okay. you could say he or she put his or her head between uh, his or her ears. Is that to think? I mean, yeah, kind of. What it essentially means is uh, they got their act together or they got their heads out of their asses. Okay, that makes sense. They put their hands, their excuse me, they put their heads between their ears. Okay, nice. I got one, another Minionese conlang untranslatable <laughs> for you. I got a couple of these. This next one is Salaka. Hello, how are you? Nope. Get away from any, me. Any other guesses? I come in peace. Salaka is how dare you? How dare you? How Salaka. rude. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is uh, um, okay. I have one, another one for, that is uh, Kamatshana, and this is uh, Rintalnya Etethsha. Etethsha, probably. She seeks the sun at night. She seeks the sun at night. So she's looking for something that cannot be found? Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you one for that. She's going about something the wrong way with almost guaranteed Mm -hmm. failure. Okay. All right, so I have one for you, Jared, that you may be able to figure out. This is... um, One moment here. I'm looking for the name of it. This is from Tarzan, and the word is Tarzan. What do you think... Tarzan means the language is Tarzan. The language is called Mangani. Okay. Does does the movie Tarzan have a conlang in it? The movie doesn't, but the book does. Oh, okay, okay. So this stems from the book. So what what do you think? So Mangani is the name of the the conlang, and the word is Tarzan. Wow. Tarzan means. I don't know, but I'm so excited to find out. (laughs) Does it mean like welcome or I come in peace? Mm -mm. Think about Tarzan. Think, think about the character Tarzan. Human. Not not think more specifically about Tarzan's appearance. Naked. Okay, you're getting closer. Loincloth. Not loincloth. So what 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 color fur do apes have? Black, brown. Okay. What color skin does Tarzan have? White. So white brown? Means R- white skin. Oh, <laughs> Zan is skin and Tar is white. Interesting. Interesting that yeah. Tar is white, because <clears throat> Tar usually has a black connotation right. around these parts. For example, Tar Burr in Mangani means snow. Okay. I this this is one I like. This is from Ben the Builder. That's the Reddit user, 
And the language is um, Sven Hellendish, the Toronto Ulgric languages. So I, I believe maybe this is a dialect of a, I don't know. And it's a mix of English and I believe Norwegian, I would assume. Hold on one okay. second. <clears throat> this um, the studio A is not great if one is if one has any sort of hypoallergenic or respiratory issues. I would highly recommend some sort of filtering system. Uh, this one, I, this is something I actually like, I, and I would might consider using for my own personal life. Okay. Unema o chuene. Wheat or bread. Wheat or bread. Oh man. Um, I'm not sure. Wheat or bread? Can you give me some hints? Um, so, um, you know, whenever, um, you know, we're hanging out and we're walking through the woods like we're wont to do, and, uh, you're like, hey, Jared, come over here. And I was like, no, I'm looking at, uh, some Playboys I found buried, uh, (laughs) under this log over here. Leave me alone. Uh, and I and you're like no no no, and I and, I, and I'm like all right bro like is this wheat or bread? Cause if you make me put down this uh, Playboy, okay. then it's gonna be okay. uh, serious so business. It, so is this is this like something worth seeing, or is this like is this good or bad? Is it worth is it worth my while? Ah okay. So I so I think it's essentially saying, or this is my guess, where it's like is this wheat where i'm gonna have to do all the work to make bread or do you actually have a final product to show me here something to show right. me interesting that's pretty good yeah i mean we people should make start using stuff. that one right interesting wheat or bread do you have any more untranslatables jared um yeah one more from this language uh actually let me do a different language i'll do a different language this is from reddit user Tur- <laughs> Jeez, i just realized <laughs> what it said this is from Reddit user Turbo Anal. <laughs> nice. I, it's one word, and I just I just actually read it, and I was like, oh. Put two and two together. Well, I'm gonna use his word, so I guess the least I could do is give him his credit. Shout out to That's you, fair. Turbo Turbo Anal. Uh, in his language or her, I'm. <clears throat> let's be honest. Anyway, is um, Milali, um, our. Asterisk, Malali Asterisk, and it's a mix of English and Italian. And it's Vias Namulasari Viastrali Viasnia. Sounds nice. Um, <laughs> much like uh, the Reddit user's name, it sounds very nice. <laughs> uh, and it literally means to hasten, to shoot haste. Uh, we, oh, excuse me. We hasten. To shoot hasty foxes. Does this have any reference to his Reddit screen name? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, this is actually one of the more well thought out ones, which is almost a little, it seems a little too deep. Where it's like, yeah, I feel like you must put too much thought into this. Is this like just good things come to those who wait? No, no. Um, we uh, this this one I like. So we hasten. To shoot hasty foxes. What it essentially means is we assume people are guilty of something uh, because they show any sign of nervousness. And then we almost mm-hmm. want them like we we want to to um, to to say they're guilty before we actually know just so we can uh, just so you can be right and, and, and rebuke them, essentially. 
Okay. So it's saying you, you just you you just uh you, you're hasty to assume that someone's guilty so you can be righteous. That's the ah, good way to that's um pretty, to explain it's pretty it. Pretty deep. Yeah. Okay, I got I got one last minionese one for you. <laughs> Speaking of deep languages. Right. <laughs> Did you mention that it's from uh Despicable Me by the way? Yes. Okay. And the Minions movie as well. Any any right. movie with the Minions in it. Yes. Right. And also the 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 guy who created the uh Steve Carell. It, it, it wasn't Steve Carell, but um, I, I forget the name of the guy, but the guy who created the language for the Minions basically just wanted it. He based it more off of sounds, I think, and took all the influences from different languages. So here we go. So, ta-ta-ta balatu. Ooh, I like that one. Uh, get away from me. You're, you're kind of close. Um, ta-ta-ta balatu. Um... I will attack you. Not quite. Who are you? Tatata balatu means I hate you. Oh wow, tatala balatu. That's something you could use if you want to tell someone you hate them and and to their face. Watch, you'll get to someone that actually knows Minionese, and they'll be like, "How dare you? How dare you?" Like, oh, then what you can say. Then what you can say after that though is, "Tulalilu tiamo." Is that another Minionese phrase? Uh-huh. What does tula, that mean? Tula lilu ti amo. Ti amo is like te amo. Which is uh, I love you. Uh-huh. We and tu, tu, tu la lilu is um, we love you. Tulala lilu ti amo. We you know, love you. I'll just stick to this. Many freguista. <laughs> That's fair. That's a lot fair. easier. Well, Jared, I would like to start us off, unless you have any other untranslatables. Um, no, maybe I'll sprinkle one or two in later, but not really. Okay. Sounds good. So I'd like to start us off with our main segment today, Conlang 101, What Is It? Before uh, we even begin describing what it is, well, it's obvious it's constructed language or fictional language used in a film or novel or comic or also video games, mm-hmm. but... Some of our listeners out there might be thinking, well, who cares? Why, why, why are you even doing an episode on Conlang? Besides the fact that it's interesting, I have five reasons for our listeners how learning in Conlang can, can improve your own language learning. Okay. So number one, Conlangs usually, because they are constructed languages, they actually simplify language structure. So strange grammatical exceptions and weird grammar rules Generally speaking, I mean, I'm not a conlang linguistic expert, but the basic research I've been doing, it seems like the language structure for many conlangs is very simple, which would make sense. Why would you come up with a language that's going to be really complicated and and really difficult to use, right? I mean, the whole point of conlang is to um, give either a character in a movie or a novel um, you know, good language they can use. I started this episode with some Tokipona, and mm-hmm. Tokipona is um, a common con or a well-known conlang in in the in that world. And what they say about Tokipona is that um, it what what makes it so great and and the point of it is that it is an extremely simplified a minimalism language a minimalist language. Mm-hmm. So there's a hundred twenty to a hundred and twenty five root words. And uh, the language has 14 pheno- uh, phonemes. I don't know what that is, but I know it has 100 to 125 words. And it was developed 
So someone of any, um, so someone with any l native language can pick it up. So the um, pronunciations are simplified, and the, um, the 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 sentence structures are simplified. So theoretically, it should be easy for someone of any language to pick up. Which mm -hmm. just that concept alone, how do you even like? I don't know. I, I, I'm going to keep asking this, but how do you even think of that? Right. By the way, I, I, you know, I don't want to jump the gun because people are, you know, I just want to make it clear. Don't worry. I have already followed um, the Language Creation Society on Twitter. So I've made the initial connection. And uh, their Twitter their, their Twitter uh, handle is at Fiat Lingua. I'm not really sure why, but I do know that it is in the crest of their uh, of their logo. So well, lingua means language. I know that. Fiat so, is a kind of unreliable Italian car. <laughs> <clears throat> I think it has another meaning as well. But yeah. Anyways, number so that was number one. Um, usually the languages are the, the structures are fairly simple or even minimalist, as Jared mentioned. Conlangs can also help you learn other languages because a lot of conlangs have some type of root in different languages, right? Like I mentioned, Minyanese has roots in English, Spanish, Japanese. And evil. Um, yes, Tagalog, <laughs> Indonesian. Um, and there are other languages as well that have either influences from ro Romance languages, also from Slavic languages. Um, At first I felt some type of way about that, but then I thought, I mean, well, there's a plenty of very well-established languages that are, that are uh, you know, just uh, mutilations of some other language. So I don't know right. why this is such a foreign concept to me. Mm -hmm. That's true. And then I would also say that um, Conlang also lets you think beyond what ordinary humans can think of because a lot of these Conlangs are thought up in some type of fantasy realm or fantasy world. And so the languages, at least, you know, I've, I've done a little bit of reading on the, the different types of Elvish in um, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. And I read Lord of the Rings years ago. And uh, I think it's really cool that you can create this other language that kind of gives a whole other atmosphere and dynamic in a novel or a movie. Also kind of like Dothraki in Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Kind of has a cool sound to it. I've never um, seen Game of Thrones, and I've never seen and or read Lord of the Rings. Now let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. When you uh, read Lord of the Rings, did you pick up on any like words that like, oh, I remember this elvish word. Like, Did they say like da-da-da all the time or something? I believe, I believe the word Han is this. Okay. That's an I interesting think. one. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other cool thing, too, a is I think one that Conlangs, you know, but okay. <laughs> right, right. I think the other cool thing about Conlangs as well is it forces you to also think about pronunciation a little differently. You know, if you only speak English and then you try to learn Klingon or one of the types of Elvish, there's uh, there's high and low Elvish. I don't know if you knew that, Jared. But, I, uh, uh, no. Is it like Hochdeutsch and like... Schwabish or something like well, that. Well, so there's, um, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing them right, but they have, I believe it's like Kyrian or something like that. Um, and then, um, oh, what is the other type of Elvish? One moment here. Um, it starts with an S. There's two types of Elvish. Um, there is Esperanto. It's, it's not Esperanto. Oh, that's a famous. Um, uh, I think that might be from Game of Thrones. I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of it. It's, um, anyways, it doesn't really matter. 
Um, but they are just very different. Um, one of them, one of them comes from, I believe, Welsh, and the other one um, has a different. Is it Quen- uh, Quenya? Wait, no, that's the yes, grammar. and Sindarin, Sindarin. Okay, there you is go. Is the other one Sindarin? Uh, uh, yeah, Quenya, Quenya, and Sindarin. So, so they they have a different kind of root of the language, and apparently Tolkien wrote Elvish um, or these two types of Elvish before he actually wrote Lord of the Rings. So it's kind of interesting. He oh yeah, I saw that. For us, like, I guess cool. I'll just use this. I wonder if he wrote it because uh, was he, did he just have like an interest for linguis, linguism? Or did he write it knowing that he was going to write a book that it would probably be used in? Maybe both. I, th- I think it was probably a bit of both, yeah. Yeah, I would, as I, I say it, that probably makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that's really cool. Um, and you can learn kind of different pronunciations. Um, and then the last thing is that I think um, con languages are really a cool expression. I kind of mentioned this earlier of art and artists as well. Um, it just gives a different different environment, different atmosphere, right? When you, if you've ever seen the movie Avatar, when um, the people from Avatar are speaking Navi, or as I mentioned, the Dothraki in Game of Thrones, it, it re- just gives it a different feel. It requires a very, um, like it requires a, a nice dose of both artistry and also science, which mm-hmm. I think uh, is, is, you know, people used to tend to say that they're either more scientific leaning or more artistic leaning. And this requires you to blend both into one, I think. Also, um, apparently from what I've read in, uh, I was reading an article, I think, oh yeah, it was in Wired Magazine. And they were saying that by now, viewers expect their alien or foreign languages to sound like they have syntax and grammar. No longer would I seen like this one, uh, this one, they have a picture that I that no one else could see except for me. Uh, for my Return of the Jedi, Princess Leia and the Bounty Hunter, uh, speaking fictional language, Ubi's to Jabba pass muster. So apparently that is the yeah. con lang, but it's kind of like a shoddy one. And so I, I think what they're getting at is even people that don't care about con langs or don't follow con lang can tell when it's a real language or uh, or just gibberish. Right. Oh, definitely. I, I would agree. And, and, you know, I mean, most con langs that I can think of come from some type of fantasy movie, television show, video game. Do you want to run through some of them? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. We can run through some of the, uh, some of the popular ones. So you mentioned um, Lord of the Rings. That was mm-hmm. Elvish. Yep. Uh, were you There's a big a Lord couple... of the Rings fan? I mean, you read it, as you just said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Lord of the Rings. And this, is, this may be a very unpopular opinion. I don't know why people necessarily compare the two. But you're people about to always do ask me. Yep, I, I am. Um, a lot <laughs> what, of Harry Potter. Will, yes, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. I think it's just because I'm pretty sure both authors were British. Okay. And that and they're both kind, obviously kind of fantasy. Do people often go to the fact that like Harry Potter copied Lord of the Rings? Is I, that a I, common statement? I don't. I don't think so. I, I've never heard that before. I I personally prefer Lord of the Rings. A lot of our millennial listeners might get angry at me yeah, for that view. I, I'm but... not a huge fan of either, so I don't really care. I've Dude, I've yeah. never I've only seen one of the Lord of the Rings on, and I've seen like the I've seen all of the Harry Potters, but I started dozing off through a good bit of them after about the fifth. I mean, I the like, Lord of the Rings three and movies and long. are long, and so are the Harry Potter movies. But yeah, I would I would say at least for me, the Lord of the Rings movies. I don't know. There's just 
I really enjoy them. I don't know why, but I just I really mean, enjoy them. I mean, there's no denying that they're good. I, I just because I'm not saying they're not good just because I haven't seen them. But I, I think it's also just what you've grown up with. Because the people that say Harry Potter are is better, like, grew up on it and are obsessed with it. Much like, I don't know if you're obsessed with um, Lord of the Rings, but you grew up on it more than you grew up on Harry Potter. So right, that makes sense. Right. Enjoy yeah. what you want to enjoy. Apparently, have you seen Clockwork Orange? I have. Clockwork Orange is a good but kind of messed up movie, essentially Very about a, per, about a, a group of malcontents, and one of them gets uh, gets taken away, and he has um, shock therapy, mm-hmm. and um, apparently they use a a um, they use a um, conlang Con in there, and it is a mix of Russian and quote unquote gypsy words in English, mm-hmm. and they say I'll give you some examples. I read uh, this with care, my brothers. And they're speaking in a British accent. I read this mm-hmm. with care, my brothers. Slurring, mm-hmm. uh, slurping away at the old chai. Cup after tass, after chassa. Crunching my lomtics of black toast uh, dipped in jammy wham and eggy wig. <clears throat> Never okay. again will I do that. I, I kind of liked it. I was, I was hoping you'd give a few more. That's um, all I had there anyway. Well, they're drinking tea. I only know that because chai is also right. the Czech word for tea. And chai is a kind of tea. Also true. Um, I'm assuming tas is like tasa. Yeah, cup. Right, cup. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and chasa. Tas, chasa. What's chasa? Chasa is essentially just saying, like chai, ca- is just saying chai tas, so it's teacup. Oh, teacup. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. And black jam? Is that what you said? Or no, black I toast? said jammy wem, which is just jam. Jam, right. And then egg a which is just egg. Eggs. Eggy that, remi- that reminds me, we kind of had our own little con. Well, I wouldn't say it was complex enough to be a conlang. But, oh, or you uh, say iggity? Yeah. So, so when Jared and I were still in college, we would add the suffix iggity onto all sorts of words and uh, got really interesting and pretty funny. I think that's kind of a natural... Um, like a natural inclination for people to want to have kind of secret um, secret languages. Because we would kind of definitely do it a little bit so people wouldn't know what we were talking about, for sure. Right. And if you do it fast enough, people exactly. can't follow. And if you just respond to it like that was a normal sentence. <laughs> yeah. Which to us it is, but um, and it, it, yeah, it's not hard, like it's hard to decipher. But if people aren't really paying attention and you just have it like keep going like it's a normal conversation, a lot of times people don't even pay attention. Because it sounds like, like words, but... Right. It's kind of like Pig Latin a little bit. I just had a conversation with someone earlier today about Pig Latin because I mentioned that I was doing a lot of weird deep dives into conlang, and she mm-hmm. brought a Pig Latin. What is Pig Latin? Uh, I, I don't love know. how you just brought it up so confidently, then I ask you what it is. You're like, I have no idea. I'm, is that well, like when well, they go like Ixne well, that's on like the... Ig, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Igpe Atenle. Um... Yeah, right. a made-up language. Be, pig Latin. Mm-hmm. Let me hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a pig Latin language. is a made-up language formed from English by transferring the initial consonant or, or a consonant cluster of each word to the next of the word and adding a mm-hmm. uh, vocalic syllable using pig Latin. Uh, usually, pig Latin. So chicken atenle would be pig Latin in, in pig Latin. Oh, okay. Igpe atenle. Mm-hmm. So what what does ixne stand for? Ixne. Because people always say, ooh, Ixne on the... Uh, right. Ixne. 
Nix. Oh, Nix the conversation. I like. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because uh-huh. people Ixnay. always say like yeah. Ixnay on the uh, blah 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 talk, so it's like right. Nix the conversation. Okay. Now, uh-huh. now I know. That's how I. You could say you could say Ixnay on the um, apicte. So Nix Pig Latin has no real connection to Latin, other than it kind of sounds like Latin words when you do that a lot. Maybe because yeah, a lot I'm of Latin, sure. I believe, ends on with vowels like that. Mm-hmm. So maybe right. it just sounds. Maybe that's why it is. Oh, I'm learning something here myself, everyone. This is this Very is what it's good. all about. Do you want to go through some more uh, conlangs, some popular ones? I I do, but first I I want to touch back on Clockwork Orange. Do you know oh, the right. name of that conlang? Did I? Oh, I didn't even mention it. It's called um, Nadsat, which um, is more or less like a translation of teenage. Um, and what's funny now? I've From what language? Enough, Russian. Russian. Yeah. Okay. What's interesting, though, is, you know, Russian and Czech are both Slavic languages. So there are words that I, if I, like, read a list of na- um, na- Nadsat words, um, some of them I can pick up. Right. So it's kind of cool. You've seen Clockwork Orange. What do you think is their reasoning behind uh, mixing the Russian in there? I'm not Does it sure. have anything Maybe- to do with control? Because they talk about, I mean, all this movie is all about giving up control of your body because you're right. uh, and it's I, I, maybe it has a slight like uh um reference to communism and and losing control this is just guesses i'm just throwing stuff out there right now right i'm not i'm not really sure why they picked russian to be completely honest with you i go i, maybe do, it just I sounds, don't have an maybe answer maybe it just sounds nice yeah. maybe it just sounds how they wanted to for the movie right like the word brat is um russian for brother and they use that in the movie okay um Mm-hmm. They probably pronounce it differently than I just said it. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen Clockwork Orange. Me too. But yeah. You have to be yeah, in the mood to watch that movie. That's not just a movie you pop on. Right. <laughs> well, that, it's like. Let's go that, relax. It's like that with. It's by Stanley Kubrick, isn't it? I believe so. And most of his movies aren't. They're good movies, but yeah, I have they're to. They're very be, intense. Yeah. Okay, so we touched on one. Nodsat from Clockwork Orange. What other conlangs do you know of, Jared? Um. Hutess? Have you heard of Hutess? That's from Star Wars, right? Yes. Are you are you are you uh, up to date on your Star Wars knowledge? Um, I wouldn't say up to date, but I've seen most of the movies. I haven't seen the newest ones. Okay, that's fine. That's probably fine for that. Yeah, it is. Star Wars sound designer Ben Burtt created Hutess. So it's, he probably just Ben Burtt is probably like a sound engineer by trade and probably just enjoys conlang. Or in, right. in his spare time. Um, sound designer Ben Burt uh, created Hutess for Return of the Jedi in 1983. Burt derived the language from an ancient Incan dialect called Quechua. It's a fictional language that is mainly spoken by Jabba the Hutt and his species on Tatooine, but many other characters call uh, can speak Hutess, such as uh, CP3O, Anakin, Skywalker, and so is that when in in Watto from is that when um when the guy when um Harrison Ford is sitting there talking to the guy and he's talking back at him and he shoots him, I think so. So apparently that is in the other thing I was saying before is they were saying that who test wouldn't really stick up to muster these days. Probably not. Yeah. Okay. The I next one, which not. I think is mm-hmm. might be one of the best, most well known, even if you're not a Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. Klingon. Which is a, uh, I believe, a very well developed conlang, uh, to the point where did you know? Fun fact about uh, Klingon is it's now in Duolingo. 
It's also really? not I the first. It's also not the first uh, conlang to be in Duolingo. It's only been in Duolingo uh, since Esperanto is probably the first, right? Esperanto and High Valerian, which I believe is from Game of Thrones. Yes. Uh-huh. And Klingon was was put in there. Um, and earlier this year, so earlier in 2018, I believe March or May or something like that. And what they say is um, the reason there's there's really nothing, there, no one's really against putting conlangs into Duolingo, but the way that uh, languages are added to Duolingo is that they're all volunteer input. So it really just is a matter of finding people that have the time and expertise of the language to be able to construct the courses and add all the vocabulary that you need to add. So you just need the time, the mix mm-hmm. of someone that has the time and uh, knowledge and somehow also doesn't have a job. Right. Well, I think also um, con languages, like any languages, also grow and evolve over time. I believe Klingon has grown quite a bit, as well as Navi from Avatar. Uh, yeah, I'd imagine that. That makes sense. I mean, you could probably, as since especially... A show like um, Star Trek that's had so many seasons and different iterations, it's had probably so many different people where it's where it's like so many different opportunities to use it a lot and be like, oh, this doesn't really add up if you do it this way. Then hire some new linguist to to adjust it or to add new vocabulary or grammar that makes makes other stuff make more sense. And as I mentioned a second ago, is that as we progress. The scrutiny that that conlang is put under is is increased highly, and so mm-hmm. that stuff that might have passed in the eighties or even before, I guess Klingons from way before the eighties, isn't it? I think so. Would not fly today. Um, oh, jeez. Uh, I had something I was gonna say, and then I just lost it immediately because I was just on this hot streak. Have you ever? Um, have you ever like? Thought about conlang or, or or when you were a kid, say thought about produ- making your up your own language. Pro- probably, I would imagine so, or at least I, a secret language. For I sure. can imagine making a secret language like an elementary school or something. I can't think of anything specifically, but that definitely Me sounds either. like something kids would do. But as I said before, it's that natural kind of tribalism that I think humans have, where it's like this is our own thing, and you have to be part of this group to right. to even understand this. So here, so here's another conlang I want to um, give to our listeners. Um, it's from 1984, the book by George Orwell. Um, yes, which is a I own it. Great read. I own it. Um, um, and our world, it our world's going speak. that way. Just wait. It is. You, we called it here first. You heard it. What is Newspeak? Newspeak is. So it was created by George Orwell to um, basically kind of, you know, it was a totalitarian regime. Regime. Sorry that uh, replaced English with Newspeak, which wanted to wipe out English altogether. And the purpose of Newspeak is basically to narrow a person's range of thought. For example, um, do you know what they called a forced labor camp in 1984? Oh, I should. It's been a while since I've, since I've read it. But I actually had to read it for English in uh, high school, so I actually should. Nice. What was Your English it? teacher's disappointed in you, Jared. She, is, um, she was great. Miss O, shout out to you. Nice. Uh, Joy Camp. Oh. Joy Camp. So it's essentially, it's, it's all English. Yeah. But it's essentially like a, since, since what, 1984, if you don't know what it is about, it's about a totalitarian sort of dystopian future where um, the government is in control of, 
essentially every aspect of your life from mm-hmm. what you eat, think, do, who you communicate with, what you say. And so I assume what they're getting at by from this is that there is a government approved language that uh, and words that you're allowed to use. And it and it um and it for example, Joy Camp, which is just a concentration camp, it's it's used to um you know, it's it, it's 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 still its own language in the sense that it's a mutation of English and a mutation right. of what words mean in English, but it's Right. Which we are seeing now in real life with words like alternative facts. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Or, or yeah, or like fake news and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it now, people. Oh my gosh. So 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 be aware. Um, yeah, like huh. alternative this, facts are this not alternative. Starting to facts remind me of some of the rabbit holes I went down during uh, this research because that's another thing that I found um, during this Conlang research is mm-hmm. that um, a lot of the people on the uh, Conlang, like in the forums and like deep into the Conlang world are not mm-hmm. fans of of movies like Avatar or uh or Game of Thrones that have popularized popular popularized uh conlang to your average book nerd or cart or comic book nerd mm-hmm. like um from what I've heard you kind of like they've kind of gotten over it you kind of have to at this point but um uh, it seems it seems like there is a lot of a lot of snootiness to the people to these newcomers to conlang that just happen to pick up a uh Happen to pick up a fun book or happen to see a fun movie, and now you're interested in a in a in a con in a conlang. Where it's like, no, the whole point of this conlang was for. It seems like there's also a lot of connection to like um, dystopian futures in the sense where it's like we need to figure out how to communicate with each other once the world uh, goes fully to shit and society fails. I got a lot right. of that sense in there too, where it's like that's why they like a, a lot of the secretive. Nifts mm-hmm. to it where it's like this is for me and my clan right or it is like an ancient language like in yes. lord of the rings and in game of thrones so for but example, those are more see those that's the difference between making it for a movie or like just the personal fans of it because i feel like the fans right. of it are not doing it for movies really right what's interesting though about um i don't know i'm not elvish the world. right um What's interesting about Elvish, um, specifically Cinderin, which is one of the two types of Elvish, um, is it is based on Welsh, at least the sounds of Welsh. And when the books were adapted into um, film, uh, Peter Jackson actually hired a linguist named David Salo, who is the world's leading expert, or one of them at least, in Cinderin, who translated the film dialogue from English into Elvish, and provide pronunciation advice to the cast. Man, that sounds like a level of tediousness that I only dream about achieving. Like, that sounds like such a tedious process. I don't even... I, I try to do Google research into, like, how you develop a language. And people talked about how oh, it's difficult or oh, how it's based off of these languages and it requires these skills. But I want to know how you were thinking of these words and how do you decide on a word. I feel like I'm also way too particular where I'd spend too much time trying to decide on whether I want a word to sound like this or like this, where it's like, I don't have, it's like, I'm trying to build a language here. I don't have this much time to be this particular about one word because, um, ideally a language. Oh, I haven't done any research into this and I easily should have, or could have, do you know how many languages or how many words or different forms are required for a language to 
legally be legally officially be required or or or, or called a, a language. Hmm. I would assume I would assume Tokipona somewhere over right. I would assume over one thousand words. Okay. Would be my guess. That's a lot. That seems like a lot. I mean, I think there's a lot of conlangs that have three thousand words, if, if not. Oh, for more. sure. I, I believe it. How many words does English have? Millions. I would say English has to have at least a million words. All right. Well, we'll get both of those answers. I'm gonna first find out how many words does a conlang word. Uh, so a conlang. Uh, usually it seems like this is just the first thing I clicked on, but it seems like it needs about, um, I don't want you to look up how many words English has. Cause I want to see if you got it right and see, and I want to give oh, you a damn. hot or All right. Well, too well late. you already know. So anyway, a con like needs about 1800, 1,800 words on average. It seems like it says it depends on the language, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but it could be anywhere from, um, 1800 to hundreds of thousands to sometimes even in the millions. Okay. I believe it. What's I'm, English? I'm English. Well, right here, many estimate that there. Are, this is from English first. How many words are there in the English language? Many people estimate that there are more than a million words in the English language. In fact, during a project looked at, looking at words in digitized books, researchers from Harvard and Google estimated a to, uh, total of... One million and twenty-two thousand words. Wow, good job for you. Um, yep, that and that the number would grow by several thousand each year. When you see a massive number like this, though, it's important to remember that this includes different forms of the same word. It also includes lots of words that we would call archaic. Can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. um, can we pause it? Because much like this tone wood, my bladder is on fuego, but I have a lot more that I that I sure. want to say about this. Absolutely. Right. We'll be back to you all shortly. So there is also another conlang. We mentioned Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Do you happen yes. to know the conlang in Harry Potter by chance, Jared? Is that what the snakes speak? Yeah, parcel tongue. Okay, I was about to say basilisk. What's mm -hmm. basilisk? Is that the, the tooth? I think so, yeah. Basilisk tooth? Might be. I'm, I'm the wrong okay. person to ask this. I'm not sure. <laughs> There are many people listening right now that are getting very angry at my that lack of true. Harry Potter knowledge. You and me both. But yeah. Parcel tongue. And the people sasa, who can... Sasa, sasa, exactly. The people who speak <laughs> parcel tongue are called parcel mouths. Okay. And that's what Harry Potter smoked or smoked. Spoke to that <laughs> snake. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I believe J.K. Rowling, um, I could be wrong, but I thought she hired, I thought she hired a, a linguist, a linguist. Yes, Dr. Francis Nolan of the University of Cambridge created parcel tongue. Okay. So there you right. go. Uh huh. Mm. And yeah, I don't mm. speak parcel tongue nor know any words, unfortunately. I do. <laughs> You're going to be pissing uh, off so many of our Harry Potter <laughs> listeners. Oh, well. They'll be okay. They'll be okay. Um, apparently, Disney's Atlantis. Do you remember that movie? Uh huh. There was a uh, conlang in there. Disney hired linguist Mark Oakrand, the same linguist who created a Klingon from a Klingon mm -hmm. for Star Trek, to develop a living language for 2001's Atlantis, Atlantis: The Lost Empire. He made 
Atlantean as the mother language for the animated film screenwriters and concept artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fictional language was derived from Indo-European words with a mix of Sumerian and North American languages. Okrand created a complex writing and language system with writers, scripts, and Atlantean alphabet and reader script for the Disney animated film. Like, just imagine going through and doing all that and, like, writing out this entire, figuring out this entire alphabet. And then, like, as you're putting together the language, realize, like, oh, wait, I need one more letter in here. Do you just slide it in somewhere and keep going, or do you have to, like, start over and reorganize your alphabet? I think the order of, of the alphabet's kind of arbitrary. I think you can... That's a good point. So. Yeah. I guess the only reason the ABCs are the way they are is so it, you can remember them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, I guess there's no reason why A has to be before X, really. <laughs> right. And speaking of linguists, you mentioned, I believe, a linguist, um, you know, wrote the conlang for Atlantis. Klingon was also written by a linguist named Mark Okrand. Uh, That's what I just said. Same guy, huh? Yeah, that's what I just said. <laughs> but he created I said Klingon. This, the same guy that created yeah. Klingon created the language for Atlantis. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, which is pretty crazy. I would be worried if I was creating languages that they'd sound the same. But I think you know, I think it's easy to prevent that if you know what you're doing. Where it's like That's fair. I feel like you have to be hyper aware of people, especially if you, if you know you're doing it for movies and you're aware of how rabid these goddamn Klingon fans and Star Trek right. fans are that uh, I feel like just for your own well-being you know that you got to make sure that someone's like well yeah I mean Atlantis was a fine movie for kids but it's really just a, a dialect I mean um the language they use Atlantean <laughs> is really just a dialect of Klingon and you could clearly hear a lot of the same roots and gramma- grammatical uh, constructions but it's a fine it's fine I mean it's still made by a great man Mark Okrand Right. Uh, I can imagine that conversation happening in many forums. The funny thing about Klingon, though, is a couple fun facts for our listeners out there. Shakespeare's Hamlet has been translated into Klingon, and there are also Klingon dictionaries out there. And the language is spoken on different, some like different television shows, like the Big Bang Theory, where, you know, the main characters are known as being kind of nerdy. So Shakespeare is a conlanger himself. That is true. He conlanged himself. He's such a good conlanger that it's. Normal American lexicon, or American English. Normal English mm-hmm. lexicon now. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of words we use nowadays, and we don't even think twice of. But um, Shakespeare, yeah, invented them. You mentioned uh, Avatar. Mm-hmm. Avatar, directed by James Cameron, was. Uh, people are very. Do you, did you like that movie? Loved it. It's a great movie. People are very polarized on that movie. They either love it or hate it. I hear people. I remember when I first heard people hearing, like, heard people saying that it was like the shittiest movie ever, and I was like, "What?" And then I started looking at it differently. I was like, "Do they have a point?" And I was like, "I don't know." Do they? But anyway, I'm not gonna let other people uh, affect my uh, my opinions. But anyway, uh, the movie, the language that they speak in that movie is called Navi, and there's mm-hmm. a apostrophe in the middle. Oh, by the way, speaking of Duolingo. Something that Duolingo had to do for other languages such as Klingon and other uh, conlangs was adjust for um, there being apostrophes in the middle of words because no other established language does that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fun fact. Um, That was fun, wasn't it? Very fun. Um, (laughs) So um, 
So Cameron's team, I'm not going to say James Cameron because it's not like he has a list of linguists that he just hits up. But James Cameron's team uh, hired a linguist from uh, USC, University of Southern California. His name is Dr. Paul Frommer. To help bring an uh, to help bring the alien culture of the Navi to the big screen, the pair worked for months creating a language that was a mixture of Ethiopian and New Zealand Maori, Maori, Maori languages. Develop a lexicon with more than a thousand words. Since the release of Avatar, Frommer has continuously added new words and expanded the grammatical rules of Navi on his own. So just for his own fun, he just keeps it going. He's like, well, I started this. No reason to start it and let it die immediately. Let's have some fun with it. That's, you know, it's interesting to me, too, as someone that, you know, you hear about, especially a James Cameron movie, having these ridiculous, like, record-breaking budgets. And uh, it's like, okay, this is where some of these millions is. Like, like you wonder, it's like, how do you spend... Five hundred million dollars or whatever the crazy budget is on a movie. Then you hear about them hiring like a linguist to spend hours and months just developing a thousand plus word language. It's like, all right, that's probably a good mill right there. Burn through already. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not like, wrong. It's starting to make some sense. What's also interesting regarding Khan Lang, I mentioned Mangani, which was from the Tarzan novels, and there is also. Um, well, first of all, the language itself is designed to be very wild and animalistic. And uh, there's a dictionary of Mangani. Which makes sense. Um, which is also pretty interesting. And Mangani is derived from various African languages um, from the area where the events take place, which makes sense. You know, I For was sure. actually For looking sure. up, speaking of, um, you know, fantasy things taking place in Africa... I was looking to see if there was a conlang for um, Black Panther, but it turns out in the film they actually spoke Zosa, um, which I which is an established language. Yes, uh huh. I mean, I guess that's also good to do if you're representing a an African country where it's like we can take. There's so many village languages that that the vast, vast, vast ninety nine percent of Americans have no concept of. Right. That we can that we can pick from, and it's not like these languages are copyrighted, right? And uh, then we don't have to spend that million, that cool million, to develop our. Uh, sorry, I'm pouring myself some tea. We don't have to spend that cool million to develop a brand new language, mm-hmm. right? That'll just be ridiculed anyway. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I mean, I cannot imagine trying to create a conlang. I feel like it would be. I think what you would have to do is find roots in, at least maybe the way I would try to approach it would be to find roots in languages I know, English, German, Czech, Spanish, um, and and kind of try to, you know, um, derivate from those roots. Um, But it'd be hard. The untranslatable podcast should have its own conlang, no? Yeah, we can try it. That'd be tough. So... My two questions for you regarding the untranslatable conlang is what would we call it? And two, maybe this, maybe two will be easier to start with. What would we want it to be based on? Now, obviously, as he said, it has to be based off of stuff that we already know. English, probably going to be a clear influence on this language. German, probably going to be a clear influence on this language. Just the two languages that you and I both know mm-hmm. the best. Mm-hmm. Um... What else? What's an interesting language to throw in there? 
Like, I feel like I want to also have maybe some sort of, um, like, I don't want it to be all, maybe. right. Well, Afrikaans has, this is Dutch. Right. I don't want it to be all European based. So maybe like some Swahili or something. That'd be cool. So maybe English, German, Swa- which English, German, Swahili so far toss is some Afrikaans. Toss some Arabic <laughs> in there, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Or some type of, uh, also maybe some Romance languages in there, um, Spanish, Italian, or French. Maybe toss in some Mandarin or some Japanese. I don't know. It'd be so tough. So what would we call it? Chajartse. There you go. Because it has Chad and Jart- Chajartse. I kind of like that. It has a nice sound to it. Chajartse. Please, <laughs> <laughs> see, but see, it's so it's so funny too because when I do that, it's so clearly me just making noises. Right. Like it's interesting where I feel like you can tell the difference between someone just making noises and actually saying words. You know what's funny is when I first moved to the Czech Republic, it sounded like people are just making noises, and now I now yeah, I hear the sense. words. Yeah. Yeah, you can at least you, you know, might not know what they're saying, but you at least can recognize what they're saying as words. Right. <laughs> I understand that. And that's the because difficulty is, in making a conlang, I think. Right. Because you can't just make it up like that. It has right. to actually, like, it takes way more. And I don't. I just don't have that leg, level of focus. Like, if I were to do it, I would at least have to get some sort of Adderall prescription. <laughs> because I, my focus is not is not on fuego. Right. That'd be, yeah, that'd be <laughs> like tough. My, like my bladder just was. Um, shit, we had a conversation about me editing that out, and I just ruined it. Uh <laughs> Um, what's the potential for a conlang to become a national language or a actually used language outside of just, uh, movies or forums? I would say it would have to get just a large enough following. It seems like at this point it will require some sort of dystopian future, almost some sort of 1984 scenario. Not 1984 in the sense that there's a government-made language. It's like, you have to say, I can imagine that happening, Mm -hmm. but I mean more in the sense of we need some sort of like apocalyptic scenario to happen where uh, we're essentially starting from scratch. Or it's kind of like the movie Idiocracy. Yes, which I haven't seen, but I'm very familiar with the... Uh, it's almost like a parallel universe to it, to what's happening now, and it's like a more ridiculous, but all, but almost kind of weirdly realistic, like plausible, mm-hmm. uh, which people also say is getting weird, scar- scarily similar to uh, reality. Right. Which I hear that rec- that comparison a lot, but I've never seen it. And I still feel like every time I hear that comparison, I'm always like, man, I really need to see that. I love Terry Crews. Mm-hmm. I love Dax Shepard. That's a great movie. And they're the only two that I know that are in there. It's pretty I, funny. I, I love two, those two guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, uh, I, yeah, I feel like it requires some sort of dystopian uh, future. Uh, have you heard – did you do any research into um, Alien Conlang? I did not, no. Um, well, 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 I can tell you, I did a little bit of reading on it, and basically, um, Alien Conlang first was developed to sound as like unhuman as possible, which makes sense. Yes, right? and it's it's more hieroglyphic and as far as the alphabet goes. Right, but that was about like I found all I one called I found one called Rick Chick. Okay, and it's 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 essentially like almost a graphically set up mix of straight lines and sort of circles and stuff. Do you want to? Can I? Um. Now I, I know you always hate when I play stuff on this podcast, mm-hmm. but do you want to hear a little Toki Pona? Sure, absolutely. There is there is a video that I I found. I found two things. One, I'm not gonna 
do this to people. But I did find a short film that wasn't that bad. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> All in Tokipona. Then I found a, uh, a clip of a, a dude that was explaining a uh, dream he had in Tokipona. Nice. And he's just staring at his computer uh, explaining this dream. And I'll play it for you right now. Although there's probably going to be an ad now that I think about it. Actually, probably not. Is this guy going to actually... We'll find out. Meli pisin ala li lontomo ona. Li wili ala tawama tani. Now, hold on. Let me... Let me can, you can hear it, can't you? Yeah, yeah. I can hear it. No problem. I'm going to start it over. And as he's talking, I'm going to read... I'm going to read some a little bit of what the uh, expo- of what the what explanation is. Okay, cool. Yes. So I'll start it over. I dream. An old lady is in her house. She doesn't want to go out. Because of that, a lot of dogs are around. Now she looks at the door. In the back of her house, she goes outside. Gets in the car and rides away. Lots of neighbors, but none have seen her. Hmm. There you go. Interesting. A little Tokipona for you. Tokipona is a is apparently supposed to be one of the the simplified language I was I started this episode with. Right. And this dude, I assume, is just a fan of Conlang because his name is Paul Cousin. He has 15 subscribers, which hey, by the way, is more than us on YouTube. So I'm not that, shitting on the that's guy. That's fair. All I'm saying is, um, uh, yeah, he's just. Uh, I found. I found it. Uh, actually, I believe he's a French guy, because what it says in parentheses is sous-titre, which I believe is French for subtitles. Oh, could be. Yet yeah. the subtitles are in English. Huh. Interesting. So I don't know. And Paul Cousin could be Paul Cousine easily. Right. So, so shout out to you, Paul. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, Conlang video. What's the name of the Conlang? Yeah. <laughs> That's Tokipona. Nice. Do you have anything else to add about conlangs, Jared? Uh oh, yes I do. Yes I do. Um kind of seems like a waste of time to me. Unless why, unless why it's your that? job, unless it's your job and you're making it for you know, you're hired to do this and you're a linguist that enjoys I mean, I don't think it's a waste of time to be a hobby. But I think as someone that is a, if you were a, say someone like like you and I that enjoys knowing another lang- other languages and learning other languages, I would not waste my time learning a conlang. I'd much rather use a language that's applicable to actual day-to-day usage. Even if it's a not popular language or not widely spoken language, at least it has way more use than the people on the internet I can speak uh, conlang to. Yeah, I would say it just depends on how big of a, a fan you are of something as well. You know, if you are a huge Star Trek fan, if you're a big Trekkie, I think it would make sense. If you are a big Lord of the Rings fan, maybe it makes sense. Um, or, it's fun. That's what I'm saying. It's right. fun to research, but that's right. more re- like deep diving into it. Not, that's fair. And that's not that's not someone that's like as far as deciding between. Uh, for example, Swahili, like I mentioned earlier, or any conline language, I'm always going to choose Swahili 100% of the time, or Spanish or whatever right. the actual language is. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, would you ever uh, learn a conlang? Um, I don't I don't think I'm a big enough fan of any of the current films But you don't have novels. to be. Conlang is not... Conlang is used commonly in movies and books, but it is not... 
Conlang would exist without without these movies. That's and true. Books it's not it. exclusive to only books and movies. As I long agree as there's, especially as long as there's internet and forums and YouTube and all right. that stuff, Conlangs will live long and prosper. I think if see what I, did if there, by I, the way? I I do see that was very clever. <laughs> I I will say I think if I were to learn a Conlang, it would probably be one of the Elvish languages from Lord of the Rings. Because I think are it you that big cool. of a fan? Uh, not not really. I just think it sounds really. But you cool. like how it sounds. Yeah, it sounds cool, um, and it also like the the and to oppress the ladies. Of course, I mean if you can't get girls <laughs> with your elvish, they're not worth your time. Let's be real. Um, That's why I'm learning Tokipana. Exactly. Bona. Exactly. I say it wrong every time. Um, but yeah, I think elvish would be kind of cool, um, and I also like the like the phrasing of the language. It sounds very kind of fancy, very historic, maybe archaic. Yes. I don't know. I enjoy the concept of the process of doing it. Mm-hmm. However, it's not for me. Right. Once again, too tedious. Right. It is. So, and it's a big time commitment. And I completely understand and agree with where you're coming from with if you're going to learn a language, it might be better to learn a language that you can really use in real life. And and I would agree with you. I think um, it there it's just different. It's a hobby, yeah. like mm-hmm. playing guitar or piano is for you, and podcasting is for us. Where it's like, right. if we weren't doing this, for example, we'd be making up our own language and communicating with aliens. That's fair. Uh, can I, I need to tell you about one more okay. conlang that I Go discovered on uh, the world famous Reddit. Okay. And this was submitted by Shresevs, C H R S E V S, and um, so um. Someone just put out the question, who's developed uh, conlangs that aren't just for humans? Interesting. Shresev said, I came up with a framework for a scent-based language for ants, which I guess I could uh, which, which I guess could be applied to any similar critters. That's what he was asking. That's hmm. what the question was. It, did you think of a conlang for animals? And he said, I called it fromic, or excuse me, formic. Per the scientific family designation of ants, Formic, uh, formic day. It was for a class uh, in language. It, it was for a class in language construction I had during undergrad, and I did it as a way to teach the difference between animal and human communication, namely that animals have signals which have specific meanings, where uh, whereas humans have signals with no meanings attached, as far as language does. Right. Yeah. The arbitrariness, uh, oh, excuse me, the arbitrariness, yeah, mm-hmm. of the phones in speech is uh, what allows us to combine them to form hypothetically infinite messages. Mm-hmm. So I thought about how that might work with the, uh, with another creature using another signal that uh, was made arbitrary. Ants primarily communicate through sense, and so I look, uh, I looked up what sort of chemicals they respond to as well. Uh, as in certain cases where that chemical comes from Mm -hmm. for them and how it behaves. For someone to write such a detailed... There's more, by the way, which I'm not even going to get into. For someone to have written such a detailed explanation of a scent-based language that that he or she developed on Reddit, I can only imagine how good the actual language was. If your actual description that you spent at least a good, I would say... 10 to 15 minutes typing out. <laughs> exactly. Well, I would I would also say that... Unless you just took your like thesis from your paper or something. Right. Could be. You never know. But I would also say, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, there's kind of a language the way dogs wag their tails. Yeah. And people always talk about how um, 
and you can relate to this more than I because I've never had a pet, but how different dogs have very specific personalities mm-hmm. and how there are specific sort of communication cues that they that they have and they're all like it's all different based off of the dog you've had i know you've had multiple dogs in your Mm -hmm. day same breed yep but i assume you would still say that you could clearly tell different personalities between all 100 percent. yeah we we always have had basset hounds in my family and basset hounds are generally very docile dogs Mm -hmm. um our first one um she was uh she was a sweetheart um but pretty lazy, you know, you would try to take her for a walk. She'd just plop down into the ground and she'd be done. <laughs> One of those. Yep. We'd like drag her. Yep. And, then, <laughs> and then our second basset hound, or at least my second basset hound we got when I was in kindergarten. Sadie. Sadie, correct. Very good. So. And she was pretty high strung, kind of a moody dog sometimes. As she got older, she became a little bit more cuddly. And now my parents' current dog, Prudy, or Prudence, comes from the Beatles song. Bites all my shit. What? Prudence, your current the current dog uh-huh. bites all my shit. Yep, <laughs> yep. She just she's a she's a people pleaser. She always wants to be with you. She always wants to play. She always tries to like you know. I made I don't know if it's a mistake or not, but when we got her when she was really little, and so I would lay on my parents' couch and let her sleep on my chest. Well, now she weighs over fifty pounds. Oh right, and still uh, wants to do that, and still and she still does. So you're can't breathe. you're pinned down. <laughs> it's a good core exercise. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that's interesting though. I mean, it makes sense, I guess, conlang with animals. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, that makes sense. Yeah, and I would imagine that that scent based um, scent based could also work with dogs as well. I mean, you could also add sound forms mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. sound and taste and other things in right. there. But scent is obviously a very huge part of like it, it's way stronger than say uh, animals, for example, talking or sight abilities right so i bet you you could include like you there, there could be some conlang for dogs involving scent but it probably would not be as sophisticated as it is for ants because i'm sure i don't know much about ants but i'm sure they essentially have no sight and are yeah it's mostly scent based more off of a scent and maybe sound and exactly. vibrations and stuff like exactly. that so well yeah shout out to that guy too that sounds so complex yeah it's, it's really interesting i mean what the thing with con languages is you have to think a little bit outside of the box. And I think he was he or she was definitely doing that. Yeah. Well, Jared, I think we should move on to our song of the pod, which is, mm-hmm. you know, we try to think of songs that are from other countries since you and I are both American. Um, and this one... And apropos to our topic, if we can, as well. Yes. And this one was very apropos. It is called The Passing of the Elves, or... I'm going to try to say it. I apologize to all my Elvish speakers out there for butchering this. Say the actual title of it. The Passing of the Elves is the the English title, and it's uh, Elbereth Gilfoniel. I'm not sure if I said it right. But um, have you heard that before? Do they ever say that that title in or that phrase in the movie? Um, they probably did. You know something that I also wanted to look into, which Mm -hmm. I didn't even have enough time. What I kind of wish I did was what it's like for an actor to have to learn a conlang. Because actors, for the most part, have no longer than a couple months. It's mm-hmm. not like they have years to... Movies are rarely filmed for years. Right. It's, these movies usually are done in, say, six months, eight months, something like that, I would assume. It's probably... I, I would imagine. I don't know. But I imagine six to ten months is probably the average time for a movie to be made. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, and, it would just be uh, intensive study. And probably or just is it the, learning the language, 
Or is it just learning the sounds to be able to say it? But learning I the sounds and the actor. lines, I would say. But if you're a good actor and you're really immer- immersing yourself and really trying to method act, then you'd think you'd want to know the language and actually know it. So it feels more natural. Right. But at the same time, unless you're working with an expert, if you're just trying to speak the language That's with your true. fellow actors, you they won't correct you and they won't know it's when It's impossible to do that without hearing the actual right. pronunciation. Exactly. But, so, but the linguist is probably there on set. You know? I would imagine so. Like these James Cameron movies have a big enough budget for this professor right. to hang around in a trailer. Right. But yeah, so what what are your thoughts, Jared, on uh, the passing of the elves? Well, um, it comes from Lord of the Rings, obviously. Do you, Can you, once again, you, you've, you're more familiar with Lord of the Rings than I am. Can you explain the scene that this song would, would uh, present itself? Um, or is it a recurring I'm I'm trying to remember. I think. I think it's either when one of the characters who is elvish, either passes away or leaves. Okay, well I'm glad you said that because the reason why I initially asked that is because, my first, um, impression of the song was very ominous. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was um, in prep before we started recording, I was running around doing a bunch of stuff, waiting for this package to show up for my mm-hmm. uh, studio A, uh, getting prepared for the pod. And I listened to the song and it was almost as if it got me in a trance where I, then I just sat down and I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> yeah, it has a very, I, I actually find it peaceful and not so ominous. It is very peaceful, but, but it, I find it ominous, but it is, pe- it doesn't scare me. Okay. But it has like a very... Like, it doesn't give you a lighthearted feeling, does no, it? No, no, it's heavy. Right. It's not It's not ominous in the sense where I'm like, this makes me uncomfortable. Right. But it's ominous in the sense where it's like, it's clearly used in, it's not used in like a frolicking through to the right. ring. Right. It's more used in, it's like, there's fire around us. Mm-hmm. It's a scary situation. Right. Yeah, the tempo of the song is very slow. I should also mention the the the, the, the conlang in the song is Cinderin. Um, it has English subtitles. We'll be posting that video when this episode drops. Um, yeah. And the soundtrack is by a gentleman named Howard Shore. The poem was originally written by Tolkien. And the s- main singer is Vanita Moresh or Morace. So Howard Shore. Who that? He was just the one that composed it? I think so, yeah. Okay. But, but uh, the, the author, J.R.R. Tolkien, he actually wrote the poem. Yeah, which was turned into a song by that and guy. And it's uh, Elbereth Gilthoniel. There you go. Mm-hmm. I'm, did you I'm listen listening to, it? to it right now? Yeah, yeah, of course you did. Yeah, yeah. I knew it. But see, like <laughs> I love the lines of it. It's very simple. We still remember we who dwell. And it actually sounds good in English. Like it kind of sounds like it's a song you'd hear in a very traditional uh, Christian church. Yep. Uh huh. Like a cathedral of some sorts. It's not like, uh, you know, it's like where if you go to a very old school church, right. I, I can imagine a big organ. Right. And this just being sang from a hymnal. So let that's me, the vibe you get let from me it. Re- let me read some I of the words. Um, so, O Queen Beyond the Western Seas is one of the, the first lines in the song. Then they say, um, O light to us that wander there. I'm listening to it, so one moment here. Oh. <laughs> and then they say, amid the, way, the world of woven trees. So, yeah, it's it's very visual. Um, right. It sets a scene. It's really cool. It will push you in trance, though, so just a warning. Yeah, it, it definitely caught my attention. But, mm-hmm. I mean, 
That's something I, I mean, if I'm listening to a song, I want it to catch my attention. So I'm not complaining. Right. And, and, and especially for a song that is obviously very far out of something I'd listen to on just an average uh, day on my, in my headphones for it to catch my attention that much and be in me to be like, let me stop and listen to this rather than run around and, you know, listen to it. Right. Caught my attention very much. Yeah. I'm, Shout out to J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and also uh, Howard Shore and uh, Vanita Moraes. So yes, so we'll have that song out for all of you wonderful people to give a listen um, on our YouTube channel and on our Twitter. I need to also start posting these on Facebook, get my game up a little more. As I said, I believe three or four episodes ago, just follow us on Twitter. Right, exactly, (laughs) exactly. So now we'll move on, though, and uh, talk about not a conlang, but a real language, which is Czech. As most of our listeners know, I'm currently living in the Czech Republic, trying my best to learn Czech. And I have a very important word, Jared, that I have heard hundreds of times, I would estimate, um, since I've been here. And the word is vishakno. Do you have any guesses? I'm going to guess that it's similar to this. You betcha. Nope. Not at all. Oh, man. It felt like it seemed like like all's good is what the sense I got. No, so vishakno is if you... Go order food. They'll say Bishakno. Or if you go to the grocery store and you're at the cashier, the cash register, the cashier might ask you Bishakno. Credit? Is that all? Is that everything? Oh. Ooh, that's a very useful one. Yeah. Could you use that like when you're just in normal conversation? Probably. I mean, I think it literally just like means if all. If one of your students is mouthing off to you, could you be like Bishakno? Maybe. Or maybe keep this going. I don't know if that would work. I don't know. I try Easy. to slip it on Gator. Right. Piss. I try to keep my class completely in English. Although it's natural it's for It's never that aggressive. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what I've been doing lately is when my students start talking, I'll just I'll just stop talking and wait. Oh yeah. That's I remember that technique. You know? Um, because I don't I don't want to lose my voice by talking over them. So I just I you're just not one wait. to yell anyway. I don't think I've ever heard you raise your voice. I'm not a big yeller. Um, yeah, definitely not. But yeah, well, Jared, unfortunately, I tried to find some good conlang jokes. I couldn't find any. Um, Shocking that there's not a lot of humor in the conlang community. Well, some of them were, but they were like puns, and I didn't get the puns. And I'm assuming because oh, they were of our like listen- using conlang, right? And so I'm assuming most of our <laughs> listeners wouldn't get them. But I do have a pun for you today because puns are always great. So here we go. My one and only joke of the pod today. Why did the picture end up in jail? Oh, I know the answer. Give it to me. Uh, Because it was framed. There you go. That's right. Very good. Because it was framed. Nice little pun. I love puns. What are your thoughts on puns, Jared? Um... I always I always enjoy an unexpected pun. Okay. Like for example, when I did that live long and prosper joke, mm-hmm. not joke, but when I said live long and prosper, I didn't really expect that to be a Star Trek line, you know, as we we're talking about Klingon. Right. But uh, I do like a pun like that where it's like, "Oh." But then but it, it's it is sometimes people can try to overpun things. It's like, "All right, relax." It's like right. Like this is it's usually more funny to me when you when someone says like Pun not intended, and you like you didn't realize it was going to be a pun. Right, but puns are fun. I'm not against puns. They're a good times. Puns are fun. They definitely are. That's for sure. Well, Jared, it has come to that time to leave our listeners with a quote. 
I'm going to try my best to speak some Elvish to end our pod today. Oh, yes. And uh, I will give the English translation afterwards and also the context of the quote. But here we go. Actually, one moment here. Let me let me give it one more quick listen to make sure I don't completely butcher it. So. Oh, okay. never mind. He's about to do it. Okay, here we go. A erukin udailo ifailas ahin. An uba tanantha lefailas, which means it almost yeah, it almost kind of sounds like it has a mix of like European and Arabic in it. Mm-hmm. This I think this one would be the the one that's based off of Welsh, Sindarin. I okay. think it's Sindarin, but I could be wrong. And the quote is, "Show them no mercy, for you s- shall receive none." Literally, what's O children of Eru, don't show uh, the mercy to them, for nobody will show you mercy. And what, where is this from? This Where'd is from Lord of from? the Rings. Um, it is from, let's see here. I don't remember which oh, film. Is Arag- in, in the quote, you said Aragorn. Yes. So Aragorn said it. Yes. Who did? So I was thinking when, you, when it was Aragorn that you were... There is, isn't there a book called Aragorn about like a dragon or something like yeah, that? Yeah, and I have no idea if that's related at all whatsoever. Okay, I was like, I wonder if they use. I thought maybe they happen to use Elvish that they got that they like got the permission to use from Tolkien or something, but I don't think that's what happened. So, um, what's what's? Can you put some context on this quote for me? Yes. So it's before a battle. It is in the battle, or it is in the Two Towers film. Um, it's in the Two Towers film, and uh, it's right before a battle, um, the Battle of Helm's Deep. So they're fighting the Urukai. Of course, of course. Uh, yes, and so, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so that's really the context. Um, but I wanted to pick for this. someone that's read the book. You really have nothing to say about this, it, dude. I read the books years ago, like a long. And also, long how many time pages ago. did you read? All of them, yeah. like the entire trilogy. Yeah. What is that? Over a thousand pages. Probably, I would assume so. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll cut you a break. But it's then. been so long that yeah. But I wanted to give this quote because I um, want our listeners to also not show people mercy if they will not receive any mercy. I agree. I agree. It's a good quote. Don't, don't take no shit is what we'd say in uh, English. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so please, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check us out on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear a review from you. Um, also, check out our Twitter page, Untranslatable1. Uh, take a look at our Instagram. Uh, we have a lot of um, different clips and photos from our travels and our little shenanigans. And if you have any uh, conlang words or phrases you would like, um, please send them our way at untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. We hope you've enjoyed this episode, and we will talk to you next time. Yeah.